This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome back to episode 7.5 of Liberty Now. I'm your host, John Verd. Thank you for stopping by. This is the show for discerning minds and common sense. We seek the truth and can think for ourselves. I'll be here dropping truth bombs every Saturday at 10 p.m. and chatting with you about stuff that matters to you and me and everyone we know. We'll follow the stories behind the headlines and ask questions, and talk to people who are taking action. Today, we're continuing the conversation about what it means to be red-pilled. If you haven't yet listened to Episode 7, you can catch up on the first half at Plains FM, Christchurch 96.9, or at LibertyNow.com. I was having a conversation with my good friends back in the United States, Deb and Javier, and they share their experiences about what woke them up and what that really means. Words matter. As we've been discussing this topic, I was reminded of the book 1984. And more and more, we can apply the term Orwellian to what we're hearing from our government and on the news. In 1984, the protagonist, Winston, works at the Ministry of Truth, correcting, quote, errors in past publications. In other words, rewriting history. Of many fitting quotes from the book, a notable one was this. But if thought corrupts language, language can also corrupt thought. At the 2018 Golden Globe Awards, when uh, Oprah Winfrey accepted her award, she said something that caught my ear. It was where she said, What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Now, the idea, the very idea of a subjective truth should make anyone who's conscious do a mental record scratch. When you use that kind of language, you diminish the value of that word. There is always and only one truth, which is objective fact, whether you happen to like it or not. To accept anything else is to be capable of doublethink, to take another quote from 1984. Another one was, it's a beautiful thing, the destruction of words. The lesson here is those who control the language control the culture. Before we listen to the rest of the interview, I want to play you a clip from PragerU here. I'll post a link to the full video on the website, but let's take a lesson. What's in a word? Why does it matter whether we call someone who breaks the law to enter the country an illegal alien or an undocumented immigrant? What's the difference between a Christmas tree and a holiday tree? It's just semantics, right? Yes. And no. It is just semantics, but semantics means the meaning of words. Words exist so that we might discriminate one thing from another. Without words, we have chaos. And it starts with the first words. A baby says mama to distinguish mommy from daddy. Words shape how we think. They color how we view the world. No one understands this better than the left. 
They are the masters of words, because they know that words matter. The left has a special gift for euphemisms, soft words selected to sugarcoat harsh realities so as to make those harsh realities easier for us to swallow. But these soft words are insidious. Their sole purpose is to deceive. Race discrimination in hiring and college admissions is refashioned as the much nicer-sounding affirmative action. Who would ever oppose an affirmative action? Global warming, which can be measured and challenged, has morphed into climate change, which means essentially nothing because the climate is always changing. When Barack Obama became president, George Bush's war in Afghanistan suddenly transformed into the far less ominous and threatening overseas contingency operation. That's one way to try to end a war, just rename it. The examples are endless. There's a new euphemism every week. In the make-believe world of leftist language, young criminals have become justice-involved youth. Mandates and taxes are individual shared responsibility payments. Government spending becomes an investment. Wanting to keep more of your hard-earned money becomes greed. Taking more of someone else's money is them paying their fair share. Opposing a Democrat in the White House is obstruction. Opposing a Republican in the White House, resistance. In the name of diversity, the left enforces intellectual conformity. It censors opposing views in the name of tolerance. And it labels all non-left views hate speech. Consider the ongoing battle over pronouns, whether to call a man who thinks he's a woman he or she. Very few people in the country suffer from gender confusion, and we should have compassion for those who do. But the left has invested countless funds, time, and energy to make everyone refer to some men as she and some women as he. Why? Is it because the left is so compassionate? Or is it more likely because so much of the left's cultural agenda is about blurring, even denying, the natural distinctions between men and women? Sometimes it's just an adjective that can change or even negate the entire meaning of the word it describes. Take social justice. Justice means getting what you deserve without favor. Social justice means getting what you don't deserve because you are favored. Here's one we hear a lot these days. My truth. Truth is reality regardless of any individual's feelings or perceptions. My truth is how I perceive things regardless of how they really are. And this is why I urge you to pay attention to language and listen to how it's used in media and in politics. All right, let's get into the rest of the interview with Deb and Javier Figueroa. But yeah, so continuing, you were talking about, yeah, some of these events and families control it. and Some of the stuff I've learned, I normally don't share because it's just, sometimes it's just a little too much to take in in one sitting. Yeah, you really have absolutely. to want to discover it on your own. I don't know what, what your reactions were, if I ever brought any of this stuff up to you, what your initial reactions were when I talked about them too. Well, I mean, we've had so many discussions over the years. I would say I always was a skeptic. I mean, sure. absolutely. I think that's Nine, reasonable. 9-11 was odd. I still, I, I would say that I never dug into it like right. you did. But it just didn't make sense. Sometimes your gut is just telling you that, you know, there's there's something that's just not right. I think it, it's, it's important to, you know, if, if you have a gut feeling about something, Back it up yeah. with research, share the footnotes, you know, do the research. But yeah, yeah there, there's probably a reason you're questioning things. And there's a really good book. This is an opportunity to plug a book called Blink, if you haven't read yes. it, by Malcolm Gladwell. 
I'm Correct. A, yes. I'm a big fan of, of reading. Right. And uh, I think yeah. this is why I question so much because I, I love to read. I was essentially raised in the library. My father was a reference librarian and I spent many, many hours waiting for dad to get off work, <laughs> perusing the aisles of the library and just, you know, reading to my heart's content. And my dad was always a big proponent of reading, learning, education, and taught us at an early age, you know, that censorship is a bad thing. Freedom of speech is a good thing. But uh, yeah, anyway, thinking about, you know, listening to your gut, if you want to look at some science behind it, read Blink. It's a really interesting book. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think of just some of the conversations that I've had. We are looking at the data. We're downloading it from the source. Um, and we can even present that to people that are very rational people. Yeah. But it. But I think it kind of goes, what I'm getting to is, but you have to be willing. Correct. You have to be willing. Because we've, we've actually had many a conversation like that where where we have shared, you know, you would think from the news that there would be like people like dying everywhere, but there really is no excess mortality. It's what would have been expected given to light, light flu seasons. Exactly. Right. So this was all, you know, predictable if you look at the data models. And one could share this and share, uh, can share kind of like all these key points and then look at the data and you can, it's very clear. But again, if your belief, and I, I use the term cherished belief, you're, it's like once, it's like the red pill becomes that cherished belief. That is, that is where I stand, right? Right. And for a person to actually see what is laid out as factual, rational, it's still, it's not taken in. It's, right. it's, I think you have it's to, it's like until you're willing to go there, which is a real, it's a, that's, I think one of our biggest struggles right now is just opening eyes, opening eyes. Yeah. That's all I ask for. Open your eyes to your research. If you come out yeah. feeling the same, great. Yeah. Great. Just, just have an informed opinion is what I try to yes. tell people. You know, I, I will accept, you know, or listen to, you know, any opinion as long as it's informed, as long as you have done some kind of research and you can show me some evidence, show me some links, tell me about the books you've read, cite, you know, some references. Yeah. Sources. I, I would ask no less. That's why I'm painstakingly documenting, you know, all the things that I talk about. Um, yeah. Because I, I feel like I have an objective uh, willingness to look at, at things, right? There's an interesting, another book that uh, I thought was really kind of a, a field guide to rational thinking. I believe it was called The Hundredth Monkey and Other Paradigms of the Paranormal. Yes. And it, I think I've heard, I've it's, read it, but I think I've heard of it. It's an interesting book, and it, it uses some examples of where you know people have, have accepted a, a theory about something, but not really rationally analyzed what it is that made the event so and and they they get into the psychology a little bit and one of the things they talk about is the ratchet theory of belief which poses that as a wristwatch an old-fashioned for you millennials you know wristwatches used to be wound up with a mechanical clock spring inside They're, they weren't always digital uh but it, as you're winding what? up <laughs> i know uh <laughs> But when you when you wind up a clock mechanism, it winds the mechanism and tightens the spring one direction. But when you turn it the other direction, it just spins freely and does nothing. And they yep. they applied that analogy to you know human belief systems in that you will anything that you see that supports your viewpoint will only tighten your belief system and it's harder to unwind. And anything shown to you to the contrary 
will just spin freely and not be unwound. And I, I try to keep that in the back of my mind at all times. I think anybody needs to, to be objective and rational and reasonable. So you have to be willing to look at contrary evidence and, and weigh it out in balance what makes the most sense. Who has something Absolutely. to benefit from this? Follow the money. And, and who has a conflict of interest? Who has been uh, shown to promote disinformation or lie in the past? Who's, who's only showing you partial information and not the entire thing in its context? You start looking at those things, and I think you can objectively come up with what we call red-pilled reality. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's what I, I think. is I like to read you know from the, the old philosophers and thinkers and people that actually take time to look at all sides and objectively look at things. And so yeah. when, when we're trying to apply or understand the term red-pilled, I think that, that that's sort of what red-pilled means to me, is, is an ob objective view of reality based on actual research and full context and, and looking at all the facts and the science. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when we say we're red-pilled to something, what is it we're red-pilled to? Any thoughts, Deb? Well, it's funny. When I hear red, I, I mean, I do go political. Right. Well, and it's I wonder if it's not by design there, too. You look at the red pill, the blue pill, and you right. have the the two color. I mean, I think it's only recent history where we had um, right. where there's the blue and the red. I don't think we've always had that. It, but it's a way of breaking people up again into like picking teams. Right. You get your red team and your right. blue team and, and we're going to go head to head. and We're going to fight. And then within there. You know, you can further divide it into greater and greater, finer details. And and honestly, I hadn't heard the term red-pilled. I just surmised prior to today. I just surmised what, what it meant. What it meant and yeah. it was based on red e equals, the, you know, the Republican. Right. And and I wouldn't say I'm 100% Republican, but I also say see red as going, and and this is context because I was blue. So taking the red bill means that I may I I shifted. So it's almost like right. it implies a change, and and that that may not be the case because again I hadn't heard about it until today. I mean it it's I guess ultimate ultimately it's it's. Yeah, no, I guess it's very much tied to kind of like we're now siding more with the conservative. Republican conservative, conservative yeah. but, but, but in very specific areas, at least Correct. for me, in very specific right. areas. I, yeah, and I, I don't think that the writers of The Matrix necessarily, maybe it was subconscious, you know, I don't know if they intended to politicize it, you know, being red and blue. I mean, those, those things existed before the movie, but... Maybe they were just used because it's a, a familiar sort of allegory, trying to you know say there's two possibilities. In yeah. my opinion, the colors were apropos. Um, yes, they were. <laughs> it's actually if if you wanna if if you wanna go deeper into this particular rabbit hole. Yes. If you're just tuning in, this is John Verd on Liberty Now on Air, a weekly broadcast slash podcast on 96.9 Plains FM. You can subscribe to Liberty Now on Air on iTunes and get the show notes, links, and more at libertynow.com. All right, let's get back into the interview with Javier and Deb. 
if you want to go deeper into this particular rabbit hole, yes, the idea of the red pill and the blue pill actually comes from a much older esoteric uh, thought school called Theosophy and Anthroposophy. Oh, okay. Do tell. Remember when Morpheus says you can either take the red pill or the blue pill? Yes. You take one and you can see how far the rabbit hole goes or you take the other one and you can go back to sleep and wake up and everything's back the way it was. Well, so Robert Steiner, who mm -hmm. was one of the founders of um, the Theosophical Movement, he was German. He was an important thinker and promoter of individualism as well as uh, free thought and exploration of all areas of human knowledge, including esoteric mm -hmm. knowledge. He wrote a book in which he said there's the red pillar and there's the blue pillar of thought. Ah. The red pillar will actually open you up to the universe. Is that P-I-L-L-A-R? Correct. Wow. I just got chills. That is wild. When did he write this? Uh, this was probably in the 1890s to the early 1900s. Wow. So anyone that's into the esoteric and occult societies knows about this particular story that he told. There's the red pillar and there's the blue pillar. The red pillar is a gateway towards trying to expand your knowledge and believing, or not believing, but, but exploring. The blue pillar is an adherence to strictures and rules where you're governed by others. Mm. Wow. That's exactly. That movie is becoming more and more an appropriate allegory for what we're seeing. The more I, that's amazing. So then th this whole being red-pilled was always a reference to the Matrix, or have you actually heard it recently? Oh no, no, no! This is this is a reference to the Matrix, absolutely. In that in response, that sense, yes. is obviously being open to the truth and to explore and to correct. Right. Yeah. Wow. And then we could talk about bifurcating and, and you know dividing. There, um, it seems like for every term, there's like a counter term comes up. So <laughs> so close to it. Uh, I would use as an example, there's awake people who, who you know, have been talking about red pill. They say they're awake. And then all of a sudden I started hearing woke. Yeah. Yeah. We've used that. And my understanding, uh, not being uh, deeply embroiled in, you know, leftist extremist, uh, excessively liberal thinking. My understanding is that it's being willing to I was just sort of jotting some notes and it, and it seems as though. Woke means being willing to accept infinitely increasing numbers of definitions for things that come up, just adhering to those without questioning. If mm -hmm. you think about it, like somebody who's, who's woke is all good with every letter of the alphabet that refers to people that would be gay or alternatively gendered or oriented. Yeah. You know, but there are basic biological realities and i think it, it's much more narrow than we're being told but if you're woke you're up to date with the latest term that's come out can you think of any other examples or, or what does woke mean to you i mean i've got a very defined idea of what woke means to me i don't know what it means to you well we've actually used it in the context of how we've opened our eyes to what has been happening and kind of like the reality and this cancel culture and the media bias. So we've actually used that term within that context, which has nothing to do with what John was talking yeah. about. So to me, it, it was more, well, I first was introduced it based on how you described it, John, but okay. recently when I, well, it's, it's again, you know, I think there are context. Yeah. And there's, there can and, and often are 
all too often, you know, different understandings or definitions of the same yeah. term. You know, maybe that's an example. I think if you would ask a, a person on the left uh, extreme of, of the political spectrum, you know, they would have a, a very, very definite simple. idea of what woke means. They would categorize themselves as woke and they would call someone who, like me, who believes the way I do is definitely not woke. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say that would probably be a way we yeah. could agree that that's probably. Yes. And yeah. just, just before you proceed further, this is a great example of what is called neuro-linguistic programming. Ah, yeah, yeah. So when we talk about woke and awake, there's there's two very defining, defining features. So uh, what's interesting is that woke is definitely what I would call cultural appropriation, just to use the terms from the uh, left-leaning uh, um, group uh, right. that is using, you know, cultural appropriation as a way of just saying, you know, hey, this is – the society is just bad because they're taking whatever – whatever is good in other societies and trying to incorporate it into their own. So woke is really referring to, or at least appropriating the term awakened, which actually comes from Christian and, and, and Protestant uh, reformist uh, theology. Ah, yeah. Being awakened to the so truth. Enlightened. Enlightened. Yeah. But woke is basically yeah. a flip form of it, basically saying, oh, you've, you're woke to the prison or to the uh, paradigm which suppresses you which is absolutely a form of neuro-linguistic programming that turns what is considered in society, what is understood in society, and puts it on its head. So there's a lot of manipulation of language that, I'm gonna sound like a far-right loon on this, but you see that, for example, in uh, what, was, what, what happened in the Cultural Revolution in, in, in Maoist China, yep. where after the first communist revolution, Mao and his group spent 15 to 20 years transforming the educational systems. And at that point, when Mao is about to lose his power, all these young people come in and really just have this cultural revolution where they completely subvert the old system by appropriating and using all these different changes in language and changes in meaning of language. So we're seeing a and historical, we've seen a historical precedent for what we're experiencing right now. Um, no question about it. I mean, you see it. And if you follow it to its logical conclusion, last time it didn't end very well for the majority of the people. It never ends well. Yes. And this is one of my reasons I've, I've been trying to get the word out or get people to question things. Um, I think that a lot of, you know, the younger, well, most people probably have this innate belief that these are things of the past. Yes, you know, Hitler happened. Yes, Germany happened. Yes, Maoist China yeah. happened. That's ancient history. Yes, Rome fell. That's it's ancient history. But there were actual living human beings at that time who never expected what happened to their society. Yeah. I just I think it's naive and foolish to think that on the day you were born, history stopped. Right. Exactly. I, I think that yeah. there, there have been long, you know, decades of, of relative peace and smooth economics. There have been, you know, cultural uprisings. And then there have been global catastrophic world changing events. And I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that we may be living in one of those right now. Um, yeah. And, well, and the other thing is that the assumption is is that these events are natural in origin. Right. That's but the, yes. But the fact of the matter is is that there is a cyclical nature that corresponds to about a hundred time a hundred year time period, where you see this rise fall rise fall 
roughly happened around the 1600s, 15 to 1600s, where you start seeing the cyclical climb up, collapse, climb up, collapse, climb up, collapse, climb up, collapse. The, the problem is that the limitation was always information transfer. Right. And right now, the thing that we have is we are overwhelmed with information and there is so much garbage in the signal right now that a lot of people are confused because, you know, this is, you know, they, they understood that, well, there is a st formal structure to my society, either governmental, community, religious. And now all of a sudden you're seeing all this turmoil and it really, to my mind, it looks manufactured. Yes. Because yes. you know what? I didn't hate my neighbor. I didn't suspect my neighbor. And just this, these past two years, I have to watch what I say. I cannot have a discussion without being labeled. Right. And this is not something that happens spontaneously. It does not happen spontaneously. Right. It's not organic. It's not natural. And if you read the writings of the uh, CFR and, and the Trilateral Commission, you'll, you'll see that these are actual deliberate plans. They, they talk about these very things and the various right. methods of disseminating this information. It's all right there in black and white. Yeah, you're absolutely right that it's... Yeah, and you, you said something that you have to watch what you say. If I may interject, you feel compelled to watch what you say. Yes. Um, however, that doesn't mean you, you have to. And I think it's actually super important and critical right now that we, we should be free. That's, that's what you know, democracy was founded on, is freedom of speech. And I'm, I'm not going to try to censor people whose opinions I disagree with. Uh, exactly. I, I may think you're a complete loon, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, you're very free to say you know, what you feel. I don't, I don't feel the need to, to censor you. However, I also have that same right. Yep. And uh, just harking back a little bit to the, the red pill. Javier, you sent me a definition or a link to the definition of red pill from dictionary.com. I found this very interesting. Uh, the first paragraph says, Red pill refers to becoming enlightened to the truth about reality, especially a truth that is difficult to accept or exposes disillusions. And then there's a second paragraph. It, it almost looks like it was thrown on or added more recently, or, yep. or they felt the need to have fair and balanced reporting. I mean, this is not what you would expect <laughs> from a, a dictionary you know, which is supposed to be objective. But the second paragraph says, online red pill is especially used among anti-feminist and white supremacist groups to refer to, quote, waking up to the truth that women and liberal politics are oppressing men and white people. That sounds pretty scary. Wow. No, that's they, just, they that. just politicized it. They just I mean, politicized it. Just... Right. They, so the dictionary is even political. And, and I'm certain that if you, again, follow, follow the money, follow the trail, who, who owns, you know, the, the majority of these corporations and the, the giant, um, you know, high value domain names, you will probably find some globalist funding behind them or influence. I, I can almost mm -hmm. certainly guarantee that. I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners to uh, research. <laughs> but um, I don't think there's any denying that that that's, sounds very uh, politicized. From just a simple term. So Correct. Yeah, I, I agree. Maybe that will wake some people up. Hey, eh? really good <laughs> discussion. Thank you very much for taking the time, you guys. Yeah. Always pleasure. a pleasure, John. Always a pleasure. Always cool. a pleasure. <laughs>